Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right. Welcome, everyone, to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here live on WYSL until 1 p.m., which means that you can comment online. Shout out down the line to our friends over at WACK out in Newark and our friends listening on all of the online channels. we got the Free Solution YouTube page, Free Solution Facebook page, the Kevin Wilson pages, and all the Tim O'Connor pages, too, because we have Tim O'Connor on the line, right? I am here once again. Oh, thank goodness! Broadcasting from my uh, 2012 Ford Taurus customized broadcast booth, which I'm slowly <laughs> making improvements to, and I, I, I'm so glad that you and I get together on Fridays. I have an absolute blast doing this, Kevin. Yeah, no, I'm glad you could be here. Yeah, eventually, you're going to turn this Taurus. You're going to get some acoustic panels up in there, like a professional mic rig, and then like a no. you know a 5G hotspots and. <laughs> All this stuff. I'll need help with that. I'm gonna have to. I guess I'll have to talk to my 15 year old, who I've been asking for stock advice. By the way, the kid's absolutely. He's got it all figured out. So, I'm sure that he'll be able to help me turn this into an even better broadcast booth. Ah, there you go. Yeah, no, that'll be uh, that'll be cool. I I think you can do it. I think you can pull it off. And then you just have you just have a mobile studio, and then we just got to get the video rig in there too. And then you know, yeah. then we'll be all set. Well, I do look good on video, but guys, I'm working today, so. I'm not sure how the video would come across. I, occasionally when I work, I'm a hands-on guy. I end up pretty dirty. But, you know, it would be kind of interesting to present that to the to the audience, right? There you go. Yeah, listen, there, there, ain't no, there ain't no shame in getting a little, you know, a little dirty when you work. It's fine. There's nothing wrong yeah, with it. Yeah. I mean, compared to me, you guys can't tell. I just sweat my butt off in the attic, you know, doing digital marketing stuff. And that's, that's not exactly glamorous. Do not move all day. It sounds, I mean, just... it, it sounds glamorous. Digital marketing sounds glamorous. Has a glamour ring to it, man. Yeah, you know, I, I I try to make it look as cool as possible. I don't know how I pull it up, but the point is, we're we're gonna we're gonna get that that full setup for you, and uh, you know, we'll we'll make sure we can keep rocking and rolling on Fridays because, of course, we have plenty of stuff to talk about. It's been a a busy week, uh, lots of. Uh, Huge monumental events going on both at the state level and the the, the national and international level. I guess, Tim, where, where do you where do you want to start with some of this stuff? I mean, we we got we got a well, whole bunch of know, stuff going on. Yeah, yes. Yesterday, I did a lot of um, ranting and explaining the timeline behind Afghanistan, but I, I I got to a point where I got kind of an interesting take. All as it took. How many people live in Afghanistan? Do you know? It's millions, right? Like eight, ten, twelve million people. Uh, you know, I don't know offhand. It's it's. I thought it was a, a little bit less than that, but maybe not. All right. So all all that it took, guys, and this is an amazing tribute to the American military. All it took was twenty five hundred American military personnel to keep the Taliban at bay for at least the last three or four years. We've had a low amount of troop numbers for for a long time. Um, so I, I think that that is a real testament to to. I, and guys, you know, I, I, yesterday I explained I'm I'm anti-war, I'm anti-occupation, I'm anti-imperialism, but 
I'm, I'm pro-effectiveness, and 2,500 people keeping the entire Taliban at bay in Afghanistan is actually kind of epic and a real testament to how effective we we are and we can be. So regardless of the end result here, the pullout, I think our military guys deserve a shout-out. Guys and girls deserve a yeah. shout-out for that, you know? Of course, and I know that they're they're – they're over there trying to do the best they can in, in most situations. They're just trying to, to help the, the people over there. And, uh, and I mean, there were, in the last couple of years, the, the Afghan army was, was taking a lot more of the, the brunt of the casualties as they, you know, kind of prepared to, to hold their country, which did not, you know, stay. You know, they, they weren't able to, to hold it as soon as uh, it, it kind of became official that, that the U.S. military was pulling out. Yeah, so, um, so, yeah, one of the things I wrestle with all the time is is the way, the most effective way to spread liberty, okay? Cause, because, honestly, that was our goal in Afghanistan, was to spread a notion of human rights, individual rights, a, and a, a governing structure that would be considered free from religious oppression. So... We were successful in offering the people of Afghanistan that for a number of years, regardless of our failures, regardless of our ramp up, build down, surges, the lies that our, our elected, you know, centralized power told us about how we were either being successful or not being successful. Regardless of all those things, how do we spread liberty? Because obviously I think doing it at the point of a gun doesn't work, you know, uh, not long term anyway. It only works temporary. No, it's uh, you. You have to be able to change culture, and, and a lot of times it's it's something that like societies have to to come to on their own. I mean, like they can come to it through like influence, right? Like the spread spread of the internet, spread of uh, books and ideas that can uh, yeah bring liberty into different you know types of cultures, different types of uh, societies, and 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 in this case, you know, it's it's easy to get for some people to get radicalized when you know they have had decade after decade of, of war and death and destruction around them, you know, followed by, you know, in, in yeah. some cases, the U.S. government backing religious extremists in order to, to you know, stick it to the Soviets. And, yeah, and yeah this is... Uh, we've backed religious extremists. We've, we've backed authoritarian dictators. Uh, all of those things. And then we've even tried nation building and... and you know, installing, institutionalizing democratic institutions. And, and so I think you're pointing out and agreeing that, that that making, trying to force people to these decisions, force these people to, to individual rights and liberty is, is almost impossible. It's almost like if, it, if that change doesn't come from within, how do we impose that change? But we know that really we can't. So the, the, the free solution, the question, and I, and I point out one of the things that Larry Sharp is really fond of saying is that suck it up and trade with these countries. That capitalism and free trade and human interaction on the micro level where Kevin and Tim get together and do a radio show, where Kevin does digital marketing and Tim sells construction stuff, like that how we can change the world that's how that's the way to do it um what do you think have i lost my mind am i just too optimistic i i don't know no it's a way to, again when you when you don't have violent governments that are preventing that type of stuff from happening from from 
uh, free exchange, uh, wealth building, the exchange of ideas. When 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 you have a, a place where that can happen, that's great. And again, Afghanistan's a complicated place. I actually, look, the population is higher than I thought. Is uh, thirty eight million people, uh, which right. is made up of various different you know uh, cultures, with several different languages that are spoken across the country. It's it's a complicated place, and there's a you know. A lot of because of where it is and and the the cultures that exist there, it's it's been a center of conflict for again hundreds of years, and uh, we'll see long term what, what ends up happening uh, in terms of are some areas of the country able to to hold off and and the Taliban and establish yeah. a little nugget of freedom there. That would be great. But do you, do you we'll think see. the Taliban is going to stick to their peace agreement that they signed with Donald Trump? They, oh, they promised no. not to fund terrorism. They promised not to participate in terrorism. That was a prerequisite for citing the, you know, I'm using air quotes, guys, in my Ford Taurus broadcast booth, the, the peace agreement that was signed. Are they going to hold up their end? No, no, not at all. They, they, they no, broke right. that, like, immediately. Yeah. No, Religious it's... fundamentalists don't, don't hold to any agreement, I think. I think that that's something that we've also seen throughout our lives, throughout history, is, is the, a problem with religious fundamentalism. And I think yeah. Afghanistan exemplifies it. No, uh, a huge issue with that stuff. And then, you know, again, I think, like, at this point, the best thing a lot of what the United States can do is, is to help get the people out who, who want to, again, embrace free enterprise, who want to make a better life for themselves. Let, let them come out. Let them... Uh, get them over here especially the folks who worked with us and and folks listening today if you if you have it if you didn't catch my wednesday interview with uh ellen smith from keeping our promise like check that out like some of the stories of the the families that uh they've helped uh in the situation over there the bureaucratic mess that it's not just the Biden administration it's, it's kind of spanning both parties multiple administrations but 14 yeah. years to get a visa approved is absolutely insane and infuriating you know like why, why wouldn't why would it take that long I, I'm always amazed by that, those visa applications, especially, and guys, this is really depressing if we don't actually put our mind and heart and, and use a little bit of empathy here. There were people there that participated with the United States desire to, to nation build in Afghanistan, and those people are at risk, and those are the people that can't get visas to get out of that country, and that's, that, they have to actually, my understanding is they have to get to another country before they can apply for a visa to come to the United States. So they have to get sneak out of Afghanistan somehow and then try to immigrate or immigrate, however you want to say it, I don't care, to get to the United States. It's, it's, it's sad. And, and use a little empathy out there for these people. They, they, were, they were backing our play. They, we gave them jobs. They, we, we tried to help them build the structure. They did things. And, and now they're at risk. And so, yeah, I don't know. Folks trying to do the right thing. And, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's uh, ter- terrible to see the people in danger, people likely to be killed in that situation that had Biden issue. Oh yeah, just you know, try to get to another country. Oh, good luck doing that. Um yeah. not not super easy right now. Get to another country, maybe wait fourteen years there and then maybe you'll be able to go to the United States. All right, thanks again for joining us here on a free solution. Uh we'll be back, me and Tim O'Connor, in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon.
Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for being here, everyone. We're live in WYSL until 1 p.m. No phone calls today because we have Tim O'Connor on the phone, but you can leave your comments online. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks again for being here. We have a comment from uh, Andrew Hamill. says, we left our Humvees, equipment, and tanks over there, and now the Taliban has them. Yeah, no, that's a huge part of our billions of dollars in equipment, I'm sure. I don't know the exact number, but my goodness, the, the amount of waste. Like, why couldn't we get all that stuff out of there at least so they couldn't use that to hurt the people that we were defending for 20 years? What would they do with it? They'd give it to our local police departments. And so there's, you know, the militarization of our local de- police departments in a way is a, a valid concern that everyone should take a look at, you know? So, oh, they, or, or sabotage it. I mean, I don't yeah. care. Like, I mean, you'd hate to see that too, but like better than leaving it for people to just take. And use it to, yeah, to enforce their religious extremism on, on, Innocent people, you know, that's that's the part that that gets me about Afghanistan. That's the part about the, and I mentioned this yesterday. That's the part about the neocon argument that that it it's persuasive to me that there are people behind these religious communistic in China. There's people behind the communist regime who just want to live their lives, raise their families, perhaps participate in in growing their success. You know, and, and how do we? You know, I, I get caught up in this this part that that part of the argument. Like, how do we offer those people something better? Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's the same. You know, again, that, those types of folks are everywhere. That's that, that's most of us here in the U.S. You know, we want to, you know, deal with whatever nonsense our government at the state and national level is doing at any point in time. We we just want to live our lives, raise our families, and like be successful, right? And that's that's most of the people in these other countries too. You know, in in Afghanistan, in China, and Russia, in in all over the world. It doesn't matter where. Most people are just trying to live their lives and do their thing and and get along. And and unfortunately, evil, violent people make that impossible. And it's a matter of, you know, what, what do we do about that? And, again, I think both of us are really non-interventionists. We want people to be able to, uh, you know, succeed. But oftentimes the United States getting involved in these conflicts and picking a side in a civil war isn't the path to peace. It is not. And it's not. Look at the people that, that are going to have to flee Afghanistan or face the wrath of a fundamentalist religious regime i just 
feel awful for those people. I, I can't. And, guys, I know I'm being repetitive. I apologize. But I think that this part, this part of the story does not get told often enough, regularly enough, when the mainstream media wants to say, oh, Biden messed this up, or then the other channel wants to say, oh, Trump is the one that made the bad decision, and then somebody wants to show that they know more about Afghanistan, and they say, well, actually, it was George Bush and Barack Obama, and they totally, neither one of those two knew what they were doing. Like, when we play that game, we what we're missing is the real human cost on the ground, the boots on the ground, the people building their houses that, you know, that, that's what we miss. So just, just that, this is a free solution, man. Use some empathy for those people and see what we can do. See what we can come up with. Yeah. No, I mean, it'd be nice. Again, I I don't, I think I'd said this uh, both Monday and Wednesday, too. I, I want to, like, spend the whole hour, like, blaming everyone. You know, I'm mad at politicians. Like, we, we always rail against politicians, yeah. right? But, like, okay, what do we do next, right? Like, some of the things we could do is, like, like um, I think the, the Defense Department was going to charge Americans $2,000 to get out of Afghanistan right now, U.S. citizens. Oh, my God. What? Like, no, oh just my. get them out. Just, just stop. Get them out. You guys What's wrong with you guys? This thing. Yeah. Or, or there's... Um, and in this one, you know, I I'm not 100 percent on this, but like I've read it on a news source that seems to be fairly reliable. They said that the uh, uh, Afghan Afghanistan army that was still like there, who hadn't defected yet, who were trying to help uh, defend the civilian airport to get people out. Yeah. The, apparently, the U.S. government told them like when when someone asked like, well, are they going to be able to to get out after uh, you guys make the final decision to pull the plug? And they're like, well, they can apply for a visa. Oh, what? No, just get them out. Just get okay. get them and their families out. Why? Why would you like? No, don't leave them there to you know face who knows what consequences. Just get them out of there. Get them to Guam or something like at least. So, yeah, the world is run by bureaucrats, right? Like, okay, you're, sure, you're you're sitting there defending a civilian airport, so Americans and other people at high risk can leave. But you can apply for a visa, and we'll try to expedite it for you. Like, imagine. Being the person who has to say that to those people, what do you? Does that person even have a soul? Like, does their soul exist? So it, that must be really, really, really challenging. I, I've got to be honest. Yeah, like just just so caught up in the bureaucracy. Well, we got to follow a process, whatever. You know, again, get them to a safe position first. Like, it, my goodness, I, are you such a slave to to bureaucracy that you can't like help someone in immediate need? I mean, again, yeah. that's that's a huge problem with government all over. You know, it's like, oh well, you got to fill out the right paperwork, and then we'll get back to you in six to eight months. I, yeah, it's like everybody knows, like this is like the DMV on steroids at the federal international level when they say, well, you're you know protecting a lot of people, protecting an airport, and if you fill out form twenty seven forty, perhaps we can um, allow you to. Uh, leave that situation and we'll help you get to Guam or the United States or, or something, you know, like it's an amazing bureaucratic yeah. misfire. So it's like DMV on steroids. So, so actually, you know, it's funny um, on the, in the Wednesday, Wednesday interview, the, the person I was interviewing was talking about how like one of the, the folks who came over here actually really appreciated American DMVs because like, well, it's, it doesn't take as long and you don't have to bribe anyone and, like, you don't get special privileges if you're, you know, like, someone well-connected. So, like, at least there's that. I'm like, well, you know, I've never heard anyone say that, like, 
they appreciate the DMV before. So well, I guess that's I a perspective. That. <laughs> I I managed to catch that part of the show, and it like made me laugh so hard. But it was a, an ironic kind of. And again, you guys, I challenge you to be empathetic and empathetic laugh like that is amazing. So America, as bad as the bureaucracy at the DMV is, is actually better than anything that Afghanistan had to offer. It could be worse. It could. It could be so much worse. And guys, I'm not sure we're not getting worse with the bureaucracy seems to be in charge, larger and in charger every single day in the United States. So I'm not sure that we're not going to get there where we're going to have to bribe officials for a driver's license or whatever, but let's yeah, keep I mean, our fingers crossed. No, we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll keep talking about it on this show and hopefully, you know, some, some people realize the problems going on when we point out specific stuff with, with corruption and bureaucracy, literally like threatening lives and, uh, Hopefully someone acts on that. Yeah, that's what we gotta do. We'll just keep pushing that, Tim. That's... We got we have a, a town in in Otsego County that has about five hundred people. They've grabbed some grant money to put up uh, supervisory cameras on a local um, garbage area. Okay, so that they know who's not recycling properly and who is recycling properly. I'm telling you, the bureaucracy is going crazy in our own country. Like. Let's be perfectly honest. So when you have video cameras on garbage cans so that they know who to go talk to about recycling, we're, we're not heading down the right road, man. And let's, let's be perfectly honest. We're not moving towards a freer society. And Tim, you know what's even more like Kafka-esque about that is that like most of that recycled stuff is probably just going to sit in a uh, warehouse or landfill for a while because China isn't buying it anymore. So you're going to put all this work to, like, do it properly, and they're going to check up on you, and then nothing's going to happen with it, which is... Oh, my God. No, I know. Uh, I don't know if some of you guys have followed some of the shows I've done. Rich Patel and I did a show with uh, Colin Grabo um, from the Cato Institute. And Rich has been on this show as my guest, and Colin is a prolific advocate for against the Jones Act. And one of the reasons why... We can't move big, huge piles of recyclable garbage is because we can't ship it on barges unless it's a regulatory quagmire. Okay, so we can't ship it on barges unless they're American flagged, American owned, American manned and American built. So imagine that. It's ridiculous. All right. So thanks again, folks, for joining us here on a free solution. We're going to be back in just a few minutes.
Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. There hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today, joined by Tim O'Connor. So hosting today on this Friday. Again, we're live here on WYSL. No phone calls today because Tim is on the line, but you can comment online wherever this is streaming. The Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, any of the Kevin Wilson pages, any of the Tim O'Connor pages, wherever you're listening today. Thank you for being here. And if you're listening a little bit later over on WACK out in New York. Thank you for being here, too. Appreciate y'all. All right. So, we, I mean, I talked a bit about Afghanistan. I've been talking about Afghanistan all week. Uh, let, let, let's pivot to another subject. Uh, Tim, uh, well, actually, do you have anything else left to say? Or, or should we move on to I, the Cuomo I, CDC stuff? Or? We can, Let's talk about Cuomo, and let's talk about Holchul, and let's talk about the mask mandates and authoritarian bureaucratic maneuvering right in our own state. How, how's that sound? <laughs> Go for it. All right. Kick us off, Tim. What are we doing? All right. So, look, here's here's where we're at. I, and let's get into We can brush on the vaccines and stuff like that with this topic. The issue of forcing children to wear masks in school to prevent the spread of COVID does not, and maybe you're going to take a different position than me, but does not make sense, in my opinion, but also based on an examination of what I would call data and science and real discussion about how COVID spreads and who's at risk from COVID. I think that we've turned this COVID disaster, the government response to COVID has been weird, dystopian, strange. Uh, And we're punishing people that aren't really at high risk for complications from COVID. And and we're forcing them to, to... live in fear of getting COVID and spreading COVID. What do you think about that? Am I, again, I got to ask you, am I off base with that kind of thinking? No, I mean, I certainly understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, I, I always like to ask this, this question to folks though, uh, who, who take positions in Leora's, is there any conditions under which you think it would be appropriate for schools to require masks? Like not like hypothetically, not, not, not COVID like, but maybe like a flu that affects children more. Do you think that there's appropriate conditions where it would be make sense for schools to require masks? Yeah, but I, I think that, that the statistical, I think statistics and data analysis would tell us when that was, right? Like, and so I, it's an interesting question. I don't feel a conundrum, though. I feel like, yeah, sure, but we need real science. And I'm not sure that 
when it comes to COVID, we're, we're getting real science. Like, let me ask you a question. Sure. Um, just do you think your body has antibodies from your polio vaccine that you received when you were five years old? Do you, if I, if you, there was a test for polio antibodies, would you have them in your system right now? Probably. I mean, I, I mean, I know your body like makes them though. They there's like memory cells that you know if you run okay. into the polio, that's the idea. Correct. So your body develops an immunity that isn't reliant. And this is science, guys. With all due respect, you can read it anywhere. Your body develops immunities and develops a memory of how to react to a virus. Okay, so I think that you would not have polio antibodies from the vaccine you received when you were five years old. But your your body still remembers how to deal with the polio virus. It still exists out there. So, and maybe I'm wrong, right? So, like, there's there's things that... There's leaps that I will take when I'm looking at data that may or may not be true. And if it's not true, that's fine. I'd love to hear from people about that. So I'm saying your body most likely does not have antibodies. When your body learns to produce antibodies to COVID, they, they go away within three months. But there's still the T-cell memory in your body that still offers a defense to COVID. So... When we get into this vaccine, no vaccine, natural immunity, antibody discussion, I think that right now there's a, a basic report saying that once you don't have antibodies to COVID, you're no longer immune to COVID. I do not believe that that is based in science. I believe that that is political science. What do you think yeah, about that? I mean, that? I, 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 I kind of see where you're going with that one. And again, I, I kind of agree with that. Like it, it, it's politicians saying that type of stuff, saying that like the scientists are like, well, it's a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> and and, and right. like, that's where we get to this debate about the, uh, like the, the third booster shot thing. A lot of scientists are like, I don't know that we actually need this for most people. Like your, their bodies uh, are, you know, still able to protect you even from the Delta variant um, for, yeah. for COVID. So like, why would we need a third one? So why did the Biden administration push ahead with this and does it create more doubt about the vaccine and does it they, they got ahead of the science on this one and that's again it creates yeah. more mistrust among everyone to, to, to suggest think, that yeah the mistrust and I apologize for interrupting Kevin I know you were you're, I, I think that the mistrust based on the way it feels like force and feels like bribery and it feels like overly persuasive attempts and then there's always the threats and the cajoling coming from the government about a vaccine. I think that that in and of itself is creating and causing vaccine hesitancy. Like it, it people rightfully don't trust the government for lots of reasons. So when we get into we transfer that distrust to something that may be very important, a vaccine for a virus that causes a lot of people problems, the government's behavior, first of all, it's not universal, but it's, it's so emotional. It's so, like, disrespectful of, well, religious rights, individual rights, individual decision-making, people's individual discussions with their doctors. So when we get there, when we're here with this problem with the vaccine, where do we go after that? Like, how do we straighten this out? And like you're saying, we're ahead of the science on the third booster shot. I, I agree with that. 
I think that, you know, again, how, how do we change the government to behave better? And how do we make this less of a battle? And how, how do we change it from the duopolistic, my side, your side? It's now a vaccine may in fact be good for you. The data is showing certain things about the vaccine that people seem to be at lower risk for serious reactions to COVID. So, and maybe seems isn't the right word. I don't know. Would you challenge me on the use of the word seems there? I mean, that's a, a, what what Wikipedia used to call that weasel word, but whatever. I I was going to fight you on it. (laughs) All right. Seems is a weasel word, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. All right. That's fair. In a way it is um, in, in this situation, but I think that, the broader issue of how the government is handling the rollout of the vaccine and and the the threat and the like in New York City the mandate like you can't eat dinner in a restaurant unless you pre- present your vaccine passport. I'm not comfortable with that sort of behavior, and I do not think that that increases people's likelihood to take a vaccine. That may in fact be beneficial to them. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. I think it, it ends up entrenching people more and, and kind of putting people in the mindset that like, oh, look, like now that they're forcing me to do that, like that's, um, you know, the, it puts you in the mindset that you, you've got to fight this now. That's that's what a lot of people think. And again, I, I'm very pro-vaccine. I, yeah. I'm, I've told people that like, really, you should do that. It's good for you. Like the... Uh, the, the evidence suggests that not only are you less likely to get hospitalized and die, but also you're less likely to get sick. Although if you do get sick and you have vaccine, you're still you can still spread it. That's uh, that's what the evidence suggests, not the, the misrepresentation that you're more likely to spread COVID with the vaccine. That's nonsense. But yeah, I get seems... that you're you're splitting the hair there, and I think not splitting a hair. I think that you're making an important point that you can still get it and spread it, but right. It's, so it's way less likely that you will, though. Yeah, it is it, it, less it's, likely that you will. So let's talk about natural immunity, right? Having had COVID and recovering from it, is that as good as a vaccine? In And again, you and I have to talk about this as in our opinion, because we're not actually scientists. But yeah. I actually do believe and I respect that you and I are probably more read, more well-read on the subject, more able to analyze the data on the subject than, than average people who are reacting emotionally. Oh, so, well, you know, I'm trying to... We're trying to like make sure we're we're being informed for this show, right? You know, and and Correct. again, there's there's interesting studies on this too. That like it is is slightly better, but like if you have had COVID before, you're, you know, you're pretty well protected. Just maybe the vaccines are slightly better because it it, it makes your body identify a certain protein that uh, is common to to more different types of variants, and you don't really know if you get COVID like what thing your body's going to identify to like protect it. And, and variants yeah. kind, of, kind of mess with that, but it's still pretty good. And yeah, the, there's a question too. It's like, okay, if you had COVID and you don't want the vaccine, or whatever, you know, like, should the vaccine passes at private businesses or mandated by government apply to you? And that that's an unresolved question. Again, I, I don't think that the government should ever require vaccine passes. I think that's a violation of uh, bodily autonomy. But like, it is a question in front of us right now. Yeah, it is the the quintessential question of our time, for sure, um, or at least of this time. So yeah. I'm a big fan of, you know, natural immunity and people that seem to be um, conflating the issue and saying, well, even though you've had COVID, you should still get the vaccine. I 
don't think that the evidence and the data suggests that it's necessary at this time to get that vaccine. Um, what, do you, what do you think there? I think, I think oh, we're wow. running out of time. That's what I think, Tim. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Uh, when we come back, Maybe we'll talk about this some more, but we're definitely going to do fake news Friday, though. That That's for sure. We got some fake news in here, and uh, we're going to talk about that. All right. Thanks again for joining us here on Free Solution. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe. Safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. It's fake news Friday. Kevin Wilson here today, joined by Tim O'Connor. Here, still live on WSL until 1 p.m. So leave your comments online. We got some fake news items for you. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first because I think you might have one along the same thing. But I, I'm gonna kind of keep along the same theme of of governments. Um, reassuring us and being totally trustworthy and great in their delivery of COVID messaging. Headline is new Delta variant as contagious as chicken pox. Is that real news or fake news, Tim? Oh boy. Um, well, again, you know, we got to analyze our, our news world. I am going to say that that, I'm gonna play. The, I'm gonna play the fence on this one, Kevin. I hope you don't mind, but that is fake news. But it's a real news headline. <laughs> yeah, you are exactly right. It is fake news. It's a real news headline, though, put out by the CDC, who said that the Delta variant was as contagious as chickenpox, which is very, very, very infectious. But turns out, now yeah. quote from, uh, I think it's a like an NPR article or something that says, you know. Uh, the RO values for Delta were preliminary and calculated from data taken from rather small sample size. A federal official told NPR the value for chickenpox and other ROs in slideshow came from a graphic from the New York Times, which wasn't completely accurate. So the CDC copied fake news from the New York Times and then put it out as real news to sow fear and confusion. So thank you, CDC, for again proving why we should abolish you. Yeah, that circular firing squad of the government and the mainstream media using each other as sources when they're in fact both wrong and they end up embarrassing themselves. But guess what? Not embarrassing themselves enough, in my opinion. <laughs> I know. I feel like they're doing a pretty good job. Like we should, we should privatize the CDC. That's, that's where I'm at. So let's just do that and maybe they'll do better. And if we don't like what that person said, you know, we can go to other organizations and they cannot take our okay. taxpayer money. 
personally, that that makes sense to me. We deal with with specifications and and rating agencies when we're buying the equipment that we use in my line of work. I, those are all private agencies. They do get certifications from the government to. But that seems to work, okay? So if you buy something that's certified ISO 9002, you know that that part is going to fit and it's going to do the job that it says it's going to do. That is a private, freer solution. They do do some certifications with the government, but you pay money and your product gets certified by a private agency. And and it has real value. In other words, it works. So I, I got a fake news thing for you, um, but I can't remember the specific headline, but the headline goes something like this. Carnegie Mellon, a, a, a reasonably well-respected institution, did a study and found that the most vaccine-hesitant people, and this is based on education level, okay, the most reticent vaccine-hesitant people are people who have done some high school or some college, like an associate's degree to a master's degree, in that range, those people, if they have decided not to get the vaccine, there's nothing you can do to change their mind. Is that real news or is that fake news? Uh, I think that's it's probably going to be fake news uh, and because I think I know what – study you're talking about so I, I think i've kind of seen this but but go ahead is it is it fake is it real yeah no i totally made that up all right it's actually the opposite okay um if we go out to the extremes of education levels which we would call your phds and your juris doctorates okay where they spend more than a master's degree going to school and less than an associate's degree down to a, you know not even graduating from high school those are the groups, and guys, there's an important point that I'm going to make at the end of this. Those are the groups that if they've decided not to take the vaccine, you are not going to be able to take change their mind. And that includes and especially includes PhDs, which means healthcare doctors and doctors of philosophy and science are the one. If they've decided for whatever reason that they've decided to not take the vaccine, you are not going to change their mind at this point. Free donuts, free beer, free hot dogs, free sausage, 500 bucks, nothing is going to change their mind. So that presents a conundrum for the healthcare industry because there are doctors who are refusing to get vaccinated. And again, they're not saying necessarily why, and I'm not trying to intimate or get you to infer a reason, but there are doctors that are not going to take the vaccine. If they are no able, no longer able to practice medicine because of a healthcare mandate to get the vaccine, a la Andrew Cuomo in New York State, what are those people going to do? Where are they going to go? Probably have and their own health clinics. To, that would be pretty cool. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Dr. Mark Barreto again. Like he there says, that the system's unsustainable. So that that would be great. That would be a great solution if they decide to start opening their own healthcare competitive market clinics right but i don't know i think they leave the state and go someplace else yeah maybe and i mean like I there, there's a lot of hospital systems even outside of uh, state mandates that are requiring right. their staff to have vaccines um and i think it's like 
85 percent in the rochester system uh well at least the university of rochester system got vaccinated but yeah for the other 15 percent of doctors nurses and other you know hospital staff it is interesting it'll be interesting to see what happens with them if they just uh get the vaccine or if they leave or if there's going to be lawsuits well there are going to be lawsuits um so i don't know we'll see what happens yeah i would suspect that some of them will want to keep their job enough to get the vaccine but some of them will in fact leave and i think that that i think that will contribute to what i i see as an expensive overburdened already problematic healthcare system in new york state maybe i'm wrong maybe it's perfect it's perfect. Yes, the healthcare Maybe system perfect. Is, is perfect. It's great. No problems mm-hmm. at all. No issues with bureaucracy and overcharging and <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, the, the administrative costs have nothing to do with how much your insurance bill is, guys. It, it's just we need those. That, that paperwork is free. It doesn't matter that there's 15 people in a, in a, a backing up two doctors in your local, you know, physician primary care clinic that that doesn't add any expense to medical care it's all necessary every single piece of paper they file and shuffle back and forth said every single keystroke they punch into a computer all of it's necessary uh, i mean not sure why but it, it's necessary absolutely to keep the insurance companies happy i guess i don't to keep people employed tim at this point it's just to, to make sure people job have jobs. program Job, yeah, job, <laughs> job security, jobs programs. You don't want to. Do you want to fire people? That, Tim, do you hate jobs? Why? Do you hate jobs? Do you hate people <laughs> having good jobs, good paying jobs? No, no, I don't. I really don't. But I do see where sometimes make work by insurance and the government and these big institutions doesn't really serve efficiency. Let's call it. No, and I'm not necessarily an efficiency expert, but. I think efficiency in healthcare delivery is important. You know, yeah. absent a bunch of mandates, there might be a better way. That's all we're saying. <laughs> nice. Maybe there's That's a better awesome. way to do that. Whoa, whoa, Dan. <laughs> all right, so we're out of time for today, folks. Tim, thanks for for calling in from your uh, oh, from my, your car. My pleasure, <laughs> All right, and I'll uh, I'll be back on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone.